been fishing around here a bit because I've switched gears and I've decided to speak on something different than I was intending to. Anyway, thank you very much for having me with you. It's a joy to be here again. And uh, I want to speak really just on one verse this morning, uh, but I'll read a bit of context. It's in John chapter 14 and, uh, and verse 12. And Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. And here's my verse. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then he repeats it. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And I always feel disqualified when I'm speaking on prayer. I, I feel my wife should be speaking because she is a lot better at prayer than I've been. But I know what I found in my life is it goes better when I'm praying. And it draws me into relationship with God. And I suppose that uh, if we only spoke on the things that we felt we reached perfection in, we'd never speak on anything. So I do want to uh, share this message with you this morning. I call it the one sentence guide to powerful prayer. Whatever you've asked in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's really easy. I encourage you to go home and memorize that one verse and think about it. So Jesus makes this a sounding statement. I'll say it again. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And I want to take these words uh, apart and uh, explain each of them. But in John chapter uh, 14, 15, and 16, which is the last teachings of Jesus before he went to the cross, Jesus tells us six times that God will give us what we ask in his name. Six times he tells us that. He's making a point. Prayer is the single most important thing we can do if we want to see the kingdom of God come on earth. The devil will try to persuade us that we have to do all sorts of things if by getting us involved in those things he can take our attention away from the power of prayer. There are lots of things that we can do uh, for God. And there are a lot of things that God tells us to do. We're supposed to witness to the lost. We're to care for the poor. We're to shepherd the sheep. We're to cast out demons. We're to heal the sick. We're to do all these things. But, you know, we can plan and develop strategies and hold meetings uh, till we're blue in the face. But the fact is, that if we're not praying, everything else that we're doing, we're just wasting our time. Ultimately, it will not come to anything. Prayer is what releases the power of God into the things that we do for God. Prayer is what releases the power of God into the things that we do for God. And prayer also reveals that a lot of what we think we're doing for God is not what God wants us to do at all. How many of you have prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God for something? 
and nothing happens. And in the process of praying, you realize that's really not what God wanted in the first place. And so God has changed you and your heart, and you start asking God for different things. And sometimes you go back, and how many of you have gone back and said, I'm glad God never gave, answered that prayer, right? So prayer changes us. Uh, and it reveals that sometimes our plans are not God's plans. And, you know, how is it that we can find out whether our plans for our life or church, whatever, are God's plans? How are we supposed to find out if our plans are God's? If we don't talk to God. So you can't have a relationship with someone unless you talk to them. And my most difficult moment is when my wife says to me, talk to me. And all of a sudden I freeze up and I don't know what to say. Am I the only man in this room no. <laughs> that has that problem? <laughs> and so we've got to develop relationship. We've got to talk to God. And then we've got to listen to what he says back. So we can't really accomplish anything for God anyway. You and I really can't do anything for God. Without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we may have the best intentions, but we'll get the worst results. But we live in a society that's very oriented toward action. Do this, do that, do the next thing. We're always running around, aren't we, doing things. Um, and uh, the question is, do we ever ask God whether we're doing what he wants us to do? Remember Mary and Martha. Martha, I'm sorry, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha was out in the kitchen making a lunch that Jesus never ordered. <laughs> because she wasn't listening, but Mary was listening. Martha was doing. Martha is us. It's, I'm not, I mean, Martha was, you know, we, if we all sat around doing nothing, we wouldn't get very far. So Martha has got some, you know, something to say for her. But in this situation, she needed first to listen to what Jesus was saying. But she didn't. She was too busy springing into action and doing things that she didn't even realize that she wasn't doing what Jesus had called her to do. And I think it's a pretty good picture of the church in our culture. So, what Jesus tells us about <clears throat> prayer in this one sentence, uh, which is, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever, what Jesus tells us here reveals something, which uh, I think is quite powerful, which is, the greatest task for you and me is not to do, but to ask. It's not to do, but to ask. The ask comes first, the doing comes second. Our job is to ask, God's job is to do what we ask. How many know that God can do more than you can do? Our job is to ask. We don't, the problem is we don't ask, we rush out and do a bunch of things, and then we wonder why it didn't come to anything. Instead of going and asking God, and you know, when you ask God, God can do more than you can. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I had a situation a few days ago, uh, you know, praying about a family situation, 
And I just felt God reminded me, well, you know, I can't, you may be worried about your kids, but I'm more concerned about them than you are. And I can actually help them, no matter what your best efforts are to help your kids, I can do more to help them than you can. And it took a kind of a load off of my shoulders in that moment. So uh, it doesn't mean that we do nothing, but what it does mean is that what we are to do, we often only find out as we ask God first and get his direction. So let's, let's go to this verse here and just go through it bit by bit. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll keep repeating it, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's actually a really easy verse to memorize. Some verses are hard to memorize. This one is a kind of, for whatever reason, I found easy to memorize. So it starts with whatever. And, uh, you know, this word, in, it's a phrase in Greek, an, And the Greek phrase means, guess what, whatever. So what, but it, whatever means the broadest possible range of things you could imagine. So it's everything. It covers all the bases. So there's nothing outside the scope of prayer. There's nothing that is wrong to pray about. There's nothing that's irrelevant. Well, okay, I'll pray about this, but I won't bother praying about that because I can just do that myself. Jesus says, whatever, everything, the small things, are worth praying about. Prayer is a whatever activity. So Paul says the same thing over in Philippians. He says, worry about nothing. Do not be anxious about it, anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the you see, worry about nothing, but pray about everything. And then the result is, uh, uh, let your request, don't be anxious about anything, but let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind. That's the way to get to the peace of God, is to commit things to God. And I know it's, it's in, I can say worry about nothing. We all worry. Let's be honest. But the way to get yourself Worrying less is by praying more. You let everything in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And as you do that, the peace of God comes in. So uh, prayer is a whatever activity. Theoretically, ideally, we should worry about nothing and pray about everything. None of us are there but it's a goal to amen. So whatever, the prayer, there's, prayer is a whatever activity. There's nothing that you can't pray about. And God is concerned about the small details of your life. That's whatever. God cares about what you're going through. It isn't just, you know, some big thing out there that we're supposed to pray for. God is concerned about what's going on in your life. Whatever. Then he says, you ask. Whatever you ask. So, if prayer is whatever activity, then our asking is never going to stop. Because there's always new things to pray about. Um, Paul says elsewhere, pray without ceasing. Now, when he says that, he doesn't mean 
all you're doing is praying. That's not what he means. He just means prayer is a consistent, regular part of your life. So when a child asks his parents for something, he or she doesn't compose a big 45-minute speech. He just asks. And so uh, you don't have to spend an hour asking God when he's heard you in the first few seconds. Um, but you do have to ask. You do have to ask. The asking is our part. The doing is God's part. The problem with a lot of the church in our kind of culture is we try to do God's part without ever doing our part. We're out doing the Martha, so busy doing, we've never asked. The asking is our part. It is important. We're co-laborers with God. In the book of Revelation, the church in Philadelphia was small and it was under persecution. And so they were seeking him, they were faithful, and they were pray prayerful people. And God didn't say to them, go develop a plan and a strategy and to reach your city for God and do all these things. God spoke to them in response to their prayer, I place before you an open door. I just ask for open doors. I encourage you to ask in your life for open doors. You pray, let God open the door. You don't have to go push doors open because sometimes God shuts doors. And I, I, I'm glad that there's doors in my life that God has shut. There are doors I would have gone through. Our whole life was changed through a vision that I received of a, basically an open door and a closed door. And my, I was about to go through the wrong door. And God shut it in my face. And so we need to... Um, uh, but unless we're asking, then we don't know uh, what God is, wants for us. But when we're praying and asking... It's a lot easier to go through a door Jesus has opened instead of trying to find a door and break it open yourself. And so often we do that in our life, isn't it? We don't consult God. We don't ask God. We just try this and this and this, and then we get frustrated. Then we blame God for it. So whatever, that's, everything is important, is, is appropriate for prayer, you ask. Our asking is really important. Jesus says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. In, the, in Matthew chapter 7. And when he says that, the verbs in the Greek language are in the present continuous tense. That means you ask and then nothing happens and you give up. No, that's not what he said. It's not you ask once, it's that you ask repeatedly. You seek repeatedly. You knock. You knock on the door, and uh, if it doesn't open, you keep on knocking. And you keep on knocking till your knuckles are bleeding, if necessary. You keep on asking. It's a process. And in the process, God will either change your heart and show you that you're praying for the wrong thing and he'll adjust your heart, or uh, he will draw you deeper into a relationship, and then he will open the door before you. But the mistake we make is we ask once, and then we get disappointed and we walk away. Jesus told a story about a widow and an unjust judge 
in Luke chapter 18, and the, the widow had everything against her. She'd been defrauded by wealthy people. The wealthy people had bribed the judge. The judge couldn't care. He, he was unethical. He had no ethics. The widow had nothing, but she did have one thing, persistence, and, and that in the end is all she needed. She kept at it, and, and Jesus says, be like the widow. And remember, though, that God is not the unjust judge. He wants to give you the right thing. So asking. So when Jesus met the blind beggar at the side of the road, uh, and, you know, the beggar is calling out, Jesus, son of David, help me, and so on. And the people there very helpfully are saying, oh, shut up, you know, don't bother the rabbi. And, uh, but Jesus said, come, bring him. And so here's the beggar standing in front of Jesus. He's blind and uh, expecting Jesus to stretch out his hand and heal him, but which Jesus did. But first, Jesus said something to the man. And, he, and you might think it was the stupidest question, but Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, it was obvious. Why did Jesus ask the question? Because he wanted the man to ask. Do you see what I mean? He wanted the man to ask. And the man said, I want my sight. And Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well. Whatever you ask. And then we get to the third part, in my name. Now to be in someone's name in the Bible means to be under their authority or in their ownership. So if you own a house, you could say, the house is in my name. I have the title deed. I own it. Um, so when we come in Jesus' name, it means that we come under his authority and in his ownership. And so that is our attitude in prayer. We, we don't come as people who are telling Jesus, here is our shopping list. I want this, I want this, I want this. We're coming to Jesus saying, Lord, you are Lord of my life. I want your will in my life. That's what it means to come in my name. Whatever is everything you can pray about is appropriate. You, you ask. It's so important for us to ask and to keep on asking. But in my name means when we come to ask, we ask with a certain attitude. The attitude is, Jesus, I belong to you. It's the attitude Jesus had before the cross. Father, not my will, but thine be done. That's our attitude. And uh, we want to know his will. We want to be aligned with his will. The Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence we have that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we want to ask according to God's will. And of course, to keep on praying is a great way of knowing the will of God better. But uh, it's our attitude. We, it's important to take everything and bring it to the Lord. Uh, and it's important for us to ask. But when we come, we want to come. Uh, Lord, uh, I belong to you. I want your will to be done in my life. And then he says, that will I do. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. And as I said before, the asking is our part, the doing is God's part. And in a way, it frees us from worrying about praying 
or asking for the wrong things. People worry about, am I praying for the wrong thing? Don't worry about it. God is, doesn't feel obligated to answer your wrong prayers. Let God worry about that. God will correct our prayers. You know, and God's not even offended. He's more interested in you're asking. You're actually engaging in relationship even if you're saying the wrong thing. It's, 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 you're engaging with him. You're, you're coming to him. And so God isn't worried about us getting it wrong when we ask. He'd rather we asked according to our limited understanding than that we never asked. He'd rather we ask for the wrong thing than we never ask for anything. So God is not worried so much about us asking for the wrong things. He's concerned, uh, he is concerned about us doing the wrong things, but he's not worried about asking for the wrong things because he won't answer our prayer. He'll correct us. But the only way, if you, if, if, if you don't know what the will of God is, if you're even praying for the wrong thing, it may not be a bad thing, it's just not the right thing, and you're praying for it, if you're praying, it gives God the opportunity to speak correction into your life and give you the right way to go. So God is concerned if you're out there doing the wrong things, but he's not concerned about you asking for the wrong things. And in the process of asking, God corrects us and draws us to himself. And even if he doesn't answer our request, he answers the cry of our heart to draw near to him. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible introduces us to God this way. In the beginning, God created. <clears throat> In the beginning, God created. And in the Hebrew language, it, the verb is put at the beginning in a very emphatic way. That God created. It's, it's an emphasis that God on what God did. So ever since the beginning of creation, God has been doing. That's what I'm trying to say. God is, has, always has a plan for every situation. And he created the entire universe. He can answer your prayers. He can fix your life. He can make sure that we're doing his will. Because God is more invested in your life than you are. I knew someone years ago, I can't even remember who it was, who was old enough to have attended Oxford University when C.S. Lewis was lecturing there before he died and told the story that the students had to be in class on time because Lewis started his lecture in the hallway outside. And when he walked into the room, he was already a few sentences into his lecture. See, that's like God. God was creating long before we were ever around. And he walks into the room of your life, he's already busy doing things. So, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. God is in the business of doing. And, and God can do more than we ever can do. 
And then it finishes, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There's all sorts of good things that we can aim for as Christians. We, we can witness to the lost. We can build strong marriages and families. We can uh, be part of churches and work uh, to, um, uh, to give to our church so that it can influence our community. There's all sorts we can, uh, uh, goals that we can have in our life. We want to balance, balance our budget. We want to be in good terms with our spouse, if we're married, if we have children, we want to raise them properly. There's all sorts of things as Christians that we can do. But there's one ultimate goal, and that is that God be glorified. We want God to be glorified. All the things that we're doing, the ultimate goal, we, we don't raise our children so that, you know, everyone will come back to us and say, oh, you're the best parents in Kitchener-Waterloo. Look at your children. No, we ra and or we don't raise our children well, so that we won't have a single worry when, you know, someone said, uh, "Oh, when our our kids are 18 and they leave home, I won't have any more worries." I said, "That's when your worries start." You know, <laughs> we don't raise our children so we won't have any worries. We try to raise our children well because we want God to be glorified in their lives. Right? Everything we do is ultimately for that goal. And that's also the ultimate goal of prayer. And while it's important to keep this truth before us, because if, if we don't, everything in life becomes about us. We're concerned with our own situation, our own family, our own needs, and so on. And, but our life is just a gift from God. So we really need to keep reminding ourselves, God, the things I'm praying for, even in my own life or my own family, Ultimately, it's because I want you to be glorified in my life. And, uh, uh, but there's a very good practical reason to keep this truth before us. That is, I want the goal of my life and my prayers to be the glory of God. And that is, do you want your prayers answered? If you want your prayers answered, you will be praying, God, I want you to be glorified. And you're not just praying it, but that's the mentality. That's the attitude that you have. Lord, uh, even if things are difficult for me, even if you don't answer this prayer that I'm praying, I want you to be glorified in my life. And uh, uh, then you'll find that God will do more than you can imagine. So we need to kind of evaluate our lives from the perspective of whether what we're doing ultimately gives glory to God. When uh, in the Olympic races, <clears throat> the judges erected a pole so that the runners wouldn't go off course. Uh, I just read a Facebook post from somebody I know in England that had gone for a run and it had gone off course twice. Amazingly, he still won the race. Uh, but uh, the, the judges put a poll up, and uh, Paul writes about this in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, I press on toward what he calls the goal marker. He's talking about the Olympic race. He's talking about life portrayed as a marathon race. And he says, there's a pole there. That's, that's up there so that I see where I'm headed. So if you're running a race, if you're running a marathon, you know, there's all sorts of 
barriers and signs so that the runners know where they're going. But in life, the, that marker is the glory of God. So when we're running the race of life, we want to always say, God, just remind me where I'm headed. I want the glory of God to be the main thing in everything. So I find this verse to be challenging and encouraging. So I encourage you to, to use this verse to help you. Uh, I encourage you to memorize it because it's really easy to memorize. I keep repeating it to you just to try to demonstrate that. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So ask, what, expand the horizon of prayer to every issue in your life. That's the whatever. Ask God about everything. Ask God about everything. Whatever you ask. Come in submission to his lordship, whatever you ask in my name. Allow God to be God and do his part. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. And seek his glory in everything. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. I hope that's been an encouragement to you. So let's, let's just take a moment to pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, all of us, need to grow in prayer. Mm -hmm. And I thank you, Lord, that even if we're not praying for an hour or two hours a day, that if we're praying on the way to work, on the way to a class, on the way to jo a job, or we're just praying in the house while we're washing the dishes, shooting an arrow prayer up to you, that you hear all those prayers. Uh, so wherever we're at, Lord, please encourage us to go deeper. And uh, encourage us, Lord, uh, by the assurance that you listen, you hear, and you are able to do far more than we can ever do. We confess, Father, we rush around, we try to do this, we try to do that, but if we stop and ask you how many times have you corrected us, have you comforted us, have you just done something that with all of our efforts we could never have done. We all have an experience or testimony to that that we could share. And I ask, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here this morning that wherever each one of them is at, the, including myself, that you would take us deeper into this truth of this simple verse that expresses such profound truth. And may it be to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for having us with you again.